Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Hey, we are back at it again here on Inside Football. Thanks for coming back. This is our weekly podcast with Rick Venturi, our Colts color analyst on radio, discussing the Colts and breaking down the upcoming opponent. And this is your one-stop schematic shop for uh, all things Colts football. Heading into Saturday's game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This Saturday, we've got the 7-6 and six Colts, the 7th seed in the playoffs as of now, and the 7-6 and six Steelers, the 6th seed in the AFC currently. And, Rick, after last week's loss to the Bengals, this has all the feelings of a playoff game given the magnitude of this game and all that's on the line here with six teams, count them, six teams in the AFC right now sharing records of seven and six here at the moment going into week 15. Yeah, this is this is the land of seven and sixers. It really and truly <laughs> is, uh, and and again, we just keep saying it every you know every every December game takes on more and more importance. Um, you know, both of these teams Sunday. This will be interesting. I think I think there's a lot of issues to this, a lot of onions that can be peeled. <clears throat> Obviously, it's a do or die game. I mean, you live and you play on. Uh, you lose and, and you die pretty well. And so it, there's no question about the actual, you know, statistical and ranking and seeding and all that, what is there. Also, uh, you have two teams that really, and, and, you know, just tell it like it is, both teams came off disastrous losses last week. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think both teams will have, you know, a great resolve. Um, you know, they've had a little bit more time to, uh, lick their wounds and, and try to fix things. We're on a short week, but sometimes after a bad game, a short week is better, in my opinion, because you just you have to spit it out. Like I said, spit this one out. It was, you know, it was coming. It was just one of those games where, you know, everything went bad. You can't you can't say, well, you know, this group played good, this group didn't play good. It was a total, really collapse of all issues. Uh, we've had a lot of those issues, but they've been masked in winning. And they just all came to fruition in one day. You know, hopefully we can fix them in that they're, in some respects, anomalies. But you can't, you like you said, you can't underestimate the importance of this game. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll cover it at the end. I mean, this is a Steeler team that is struggling, really struggling uh, without Pickett. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a team, though, that, you know, three or four weeks ago looked like a pretty good contender. You know, and then ended up on a two-game death slide. So, again, we just you, you, we don't know, uh, but it'll be a, a fun game with those retro uniforms. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, looking no, looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be fun. Saturday games are always fun and interesting, and they kind of take on a different dynamic playing a day earlier. And we're going to break down those Steelers in full detail coming up in just a moment. But Rick, let's put a bow on the Bengals as the okay. Colts fell by by 20 points in Cincinnati, their largest defeat of the season. And, you know, the Colts offense, they only scored seven. Uh, They struggled to run the ball. 
and the team really suffered a, a season-high nine penalties. That was a, an underlying issue in the game as well, and a defense that allowed only five plays of 40 or more yards all season going into the game. They gave up three of those uh, types of plays and were outscored 20 to nothing in the second half. Um, all three phases kind of let the Colts down. Special teams was an adventure all game long. Matt Gay missed two kicks. Uh, the Colts muffed a punt that led to a Bengal field goal late in the game. So, again, just kind of an all-around disappointment. Maybe the sloppiest game of the year for the Colts, Rick. So, they're trying to, as you said, rebound in a big way this weekend on a short week. Yeah, you have to rebound, and you and you really have to clean things up. And, you know, when something pops up, uh, you have to fix it really quick. Um, you know, a lot of things on defense have been masked, and we've talked about that even in winning. They've been masked by the ability to take the ball away and the ability to sack the quarterback, which we went into the game number two in both categories. But, you know, we really we weren't able, and it surprises me totally, but it it's, it's fact. We didn't get any pressure on Browning all day, which was our strength, and we really didn't take it away. It just wasn't our day uh, in, in that regard. But I will say that the biggest thing coming out of here is now you have to fix the screen game. I mean, the one thing that, you know, we really blew a tire on, uh, you know, was giving up 230 yards um, basically to Brown and to Mixum. Uh, you know, that really killed us, the the 230 to those two guys, the 124 on three screen passes. And, you know, as the players say, you know, when you give up something like that, you know, you really now open up a Pandora's box to, quote, uh, you know, various players on our team, yeah. which means now we really have to do a really good job to take away the screen vulnerabilities because Pittsburgh is kind of going through and they're just trying to find themselves the same thing that since he went through in this regard, Matt, in that they have to nurse Trubisky into the game. And the best way to do that is with RPOs and screens. And really and truly, uh, they have almost a mirror image of the Bengals in that uh, you'll see this. We'll talk about this with Najee Harris and with Brown. So they can, you know, they can try to exploit that. But, you know, just going back to the issue was we have to fix that immediately because as soon as you have a vulnerability, boom, uh, they're going to get after it. And then I thought <clears throat> offensively we kind of fell back into the trap that when we haven't played well has killed us. And that's the running game has really been shut down. I mean, you know, um, Moss ran, what, 2.2. Um, this is almost two weeks in a row. Right. Um, in our passing game, you know, we, we didn't take any shots deep. You know, we were 5.4 uh, per attempt, which means you're just not moving the ball. I mean, you're not, you're not pushing it deep. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not running the ball. And even if Michael catches 10 balls, it's going to be for 10, 100 yards. It's not, he's not going to have a 250-yard day. So, you know, those things, we just have to be able to push the ball. And with this ball club, we have to be able to run it. And I would say those two things more than anything really have to be fixed. And then, you know, not to, not to, not to, to attack him, but, you know, Ryman just had a, a nightmare, really. And what really came up were things that killed him as a rookie. He just got powered. I mean, they, you know, Hendrickson just absolutely powered him. And, of course, when you show that on tape, you know, and now, you know, if Highsmith plays, you're going to, you know, you're going to get that power rush off that side. And then if, 
you know, obviously, if if Freeland has to play again at right tackle, he's going to have his his work cut out for him with Watt, you know, who has 91 and a half sacks. So we'll get into that. But again, we've got to find ways to run the ball against Bear. We've got to find ways to push it deep. Press coverage just killed us in the second half. And then we got to make sure that we're shored up at offensive tackle this week. You're right. Penalties killed us. Um, you know, it was atypical for us, but, you know, we had, what, nine of them? And, uh, you know, they occurred in such bad situations. They occurred in the red zone, which also destroyed our red zone this week. Uh, you know, they occurred going in. They occurred going out. They either led to, you know, a, a, a score that we didn't get, or in two cases we gave the Bengals extensions where they got 14 instead of three. So, you know, I don't know what happened in the second half. I thought that the momentum, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of Harrison's uh, interception and the two-point play, Agreed. I thought, man, we're in great shape here. Right. And, you know, we just really got slaughtered in that third quarter. And, and we got slaughtered all over. They got in – they we were three and out. You know, they got in that bear, and then they pressed and then blitzed, which is the rhythm against us. You know, and then they just they made the big play, and then they got it. So, again, the most important thing is just to make sure that anything that hasn't been there or has been there uh, really gets gets fixed by Saturday afternoon. No doubt about it. That's the task at hand coming up on a short week here. Up next, the 7-6 and six Steelers, Rick. So let's tee them up here. Let's turn the page, get ready for mm -hmm. Week 15. Monster game on, on Saturday because the Colts and the Steelers, they're one of six AFC teams, as we said, that are seven and six. So this head to head meeting on Saturday is gonna have it's gonna pay, you know, big dividends for the Colts if they can get this win. It's also a conference game. That's a big significant tiebreaker for the wild card spots as well. And both teams are five and four against AFC competition this season going into the game. So um, here's kind of the big picture setup here. We know about the, the series here. The Colts have lost eight straight games to the Steelers. That is their longest current losing streak to any team in the NFL. But Pittsburgh, they've lost three of their last four coming into the game, uh, coming off two really disappointing losses at home to the Cardinals and the Patriots. In fact, the Steelers are the first team, Rick, with a winning record to lose consecutive games to opponents with a 2-10 and record. So... Obviously, they're kind of at a low point on their season. Um, they've had some time to rest up, having played on Thursday night football. You know, you look at it, too, that the Colts have been good in one-score games this season, but the Steelers have been great. They're 7-2 and two in games decided by eight points or less, uh, but they've been outscored by 40 points on the season. And to take it a step further, the Steelers became the first team ever to have a winning record while being outgained in each of their first eight games of the season – they went 5-3 and three in those games, and the only win this season where they actually outgained their opponent was Cincinnati a few weeks ago. That's their latest win on the season. Uh, their sluggish offense now got it by Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. He's in now for the time being for the injured Kenny Pickett due to his ankle injury. Uh, the defensive point total pretty good despite ranking 21st in yards, and the Colts might get a break this week. We say might. Uh, get a break without having to see defensive ends T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, who are in the concussion protocol. Now, we're taping this on Wednesday. Um, on Tuesday, both of those men practice on a limited basis, so uh, their status for Saturday still very much uh, up in the air dealing with concussions. So that's kind of the setup on the Steelers, Rick. What else do you have on them on the big picture going into Saturday's game? Yeah, I, I say two things, <clears throat> and they're kind of opposed, but I'll say them. 
you know, I my first year in the league was 1982, and mm-hmm. we played the Steelers in Three Rivers back then. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, that was Franco Harris and all the Hall of Famers, Bradshaw, Swan, Stallworth, all those great guys, Joe Green on defense. And so I've seen them for, you know, 42 years. And I will say this is not your father's Steelers, just so that we don't put them on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that I think the reason that they were able to do the impossible, which was have a winning record and get outscored in those first eight games, was really a credit to their good head coach and Mike Tomlin. I mean, Mike has had those 16 non-losing seasons. You know, his record stands for itself. I've known him since he was a rookie uh, secondary coach in the league. He's under a lot of fire right now because Pittsburgh is just unforgiving with the Steelers. But he's smart and he's tough and he can motivate. So if someone can find a solution here in a long week, it's it's really Mike. You're right. They have really struggled, and they really struggled last week with Trubisky on offense. You know, they're not explosive. Uh, they have solid receivers in Pickens and Johnson, uh, which I'll get into, uh, you know, specifically. They're solid. Where I think they're very good, and, you know, that shows statistically. The only offensive statistic that is impressive for them is they still are number 14th in the league with a 4.2 rushing average per. So they can run the ball with two really good runners, in my opinion, two different runners. Basically, like I said, very much like Cincinnati. Harris is the pounder. You know, Harris would equate to, to Mixon. And then Warren is fast. He comes in. He adds quickness. You know, he would equate to Brown. So you have a little bit of the same issue uh, again, two solid receivers. Allen Robinson's a big body slot, and I think the guy that's really coming and you got to really be ready for situationally, uh, third down and uh, in red zone is Fryermuth, the tight end. I think he's coming. Their offensive line uh, blocks the run pretty well, but their right side, I'll get into this, really struggles on protection. Uh, you know, their quarterbacks are good athletes, and you know. I have to say, Trubisky is a good athlete. He can extend. He can get out of trouble. Um, he's capable that way. But they, you know, they have a, a tough, tough time uh, in there in that situation in terms of protection. I think something that really hurts them. You know, they've had the they fired the offensive coordinator finally, but they are ultra conservative on offense. I mean, they are ultra conservative. Uh, their running game is very, very simple. They don't take a ton of shots. And so, you know, I I also think that works against him. Trubisky, you know, had a terrible night the other night. You know, he threw one away, and he had another one that should have been thrown thrown away. But he's a he's another guy that's a box of chocolates. You know, he's had had some big days in Chicago, and he's had a lot of bad days. Um, I think he's the guy you can shake easily. Uh, I think he loses confidence quickly. Has that deer in the headlight look. Um, and some, and he's definitely not a force multiplier. So it's really important that you come out on fire, not like last week, just the opposite, and uh, and really upset that. And then on defense, this team is really capable of big games. You're, you're, you're right in that the one thing they really are is they're stingy in points given up. And, you know, a lot of that is because, you know, they're number seven there, but a lot of that is because they really – they can they really number eight they can play in the red zone and they're number 14 when it comes to rushing the passer 
you know, they can, they can get after your passer. So, you know, again, Watt, we know what he is. I think you have to prepare for him. If he's not there, we thank God and go on. Uh, but, you know, former defensive player of the year, he's absolutely amazing, Nine and a half sack, 91 and a half sacks. Yeah. He is just a terror, and he's going to – they don't move him that much. He's going to be on our left side almost all the time. Occasionally they'll walk him back inside and blitz him, but he's going to be on our right side, which is going to be a real challenge for Freeland over there. And then Highsmith is on the other side. They got a couple backups, which we'll get into later, if those guys aren't ready. I think their stacks are good. Roberts is a really good tackler, and Walker has got a lot of pass defended. He's kind of their athlete. Um, you know, I think Peterson is solid at one corner, and I, I think that uh, Porter has talent, the rookie. He was a high draft pick. He's long. I think he grabs a lot. I thought he grabbed a lot in college. Um, I think you have to go after him at the other corner. Then they play a lot of different guys, Sullivan, Thompson, and even Peterson sometimes at the nickel. They'll use a lot of different guys. I'll just say in in brief that this is an old Pittsburgh scheme. This is the one they've used forever and ever, which is based on an under front rather Mm -hmm. than over, which I'll get into later, and some bear based on both outside edge guys rushing. Their defense is based really on a five-man rush. So, you know, those are the things we'll get into. I'll get into the specifics as we go. But, again, very stingy on defense. You know, they can run the ball, and they can rush the passer. All right, well done right there on the big picture. Rick Venturi right there here on Inside Football. Let's begin to roll out the blueprints for success here, Rick. Let's begin first with the Steelers on offense. As you said, now got it by quarterback Mitch Trubisky because of the ankle injury to the starter, Kenny Pickett. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're only putting up 16 points a game, and they've scored just 13.5 points on average here in the last four, which ranks 27th in the league in that span. They've been really focused, though, Rick, on running the football lately because their passing game has just been so inconsistent. Um, The Steelers have rushed for just over 900 yards in the last six games, which is the most in the NFL in that span. Uh, They've got running backs Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They are spearheading that attack. Um, They've had a hard time moving the ball this season. They've got 41 three-and-outs. That also includes four last Thursday against the Patriots. Uh, Their passing game has really killed them in their six losses. They're only averaging 176 yards through the air in those six defeats. Um, Their top targets are George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Pickens is putting up, or uh, I should say, racking up 17 yards a catch this season, which ranks second in the NFL, so He's a big play guy. And then Johnson went over 4,000 career receiving yards earlier this season. That's the third most by a Steeler in franchise history in their first five NFL seasons. So how do you see the Steelers trying to move the ball on a Colts defense on Saturday? Rick now got it by you know, a backup quarterback, if you will, and, and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, here are some specifics, I think, to look for, and then we'll talk about blueprints for stopping them. I think, one, I think they're very conservative and they're very predictable. You know, they have three big personnel groupings, 12, which is two tight ends, 11, which is three wide receivers, and then they'll use a jumbo 13 where they're using two tight ends and a tackle uh, to pound you. Their running game is really direct. It's simple, outside zone, inside zone, tosses, uh, when Warren's in the game, again, I would expect, and we have to be alert, a little bit more draw and screen. Now, what they like to do technically is they like to get to a three-man, four-man, or five-man side. In other words, they'll motion and create a power side 
and you'll be say, you'll be calling it as you know trips to the right, you know, and they'll like to run the pound there or run the toss there. <clears throat> they really like to build the side. If you over if you overshift, they'll audible away. But again, the best part of their team right now is you know it's not great, but the best part is their two running backs in number fourteen four point two. You know they're gonna they're gonna move Trubisky around. They like boots and boot throwbacks, quick screens to Robinson. Their best offensive line main is Siamolo, the left guard. He's a he's a road grader. Uh, you know, so I mean, basically what they like to do with their receivers is Pickens is really a vertical guy. They when they want to take shots, they like him on the outside vertical. And, you know, I think Johnson is really played well. Johnson now is, I would say, their overall go-to guy, and he's a guy that will move around. I think if I think you stay on top of Pickens and you, and you, and you make sure that you have some defense basically to lean towards Johnson. Now, again, Fryermuth is outstanding in certain areas. That third down in possession, that money down five to seven, He's a really good option guy, or sometimes he'll be at number three and he'll run the stick in those money downs. So, again, you've got to have some underneath coverage to him. Again, they've struggled. They're not explosive. That's what's killing them. That's kind of like we've been lately uh, at 16.2, you know, and the loss of Pickett, of course, was a killer. And I just I just add the obvious, you know, after Cincy, you you've got to you've got to expect the screen game, particularly to Warren. He's their version of Brown. All right, my blueprint for victory on the Colts defense is number one: <clears throat> you have to stop this running game. This is everything. You know, between Harris and Warren, they have like 1,300 yards. I mean, they got a lot of yards and then 400 yards passing, so they account for about 1,700 yards. So you know, they're the real deal. Don't underestimate these guys. You know, again. When you look at uh, Harris, he's strong, tackle, you know, very much like Mixon. He can break tackles. He's going to run the zones and the tosses. And then Warren's going to come up to give you the quick burst guy, you know, and gadgets at times. Uh, But, you know, and Warren has 42 catches as well. So, you know, therein lies that screen game. You just got to be alert. Very simple running game. You know, we got to stop it occasionally. There's a gadget to Austin, the whiteout, the reverses, and the speed. You know, and again, with Trubisky struggling, look for the Cincinnati game plan, which basically just tries to get the quarterback into it early with running the ball in easy plays. And they'll try to shorten the game after they've looked at it. And again, big expect screens to Warren. So just going back to it, do not let Harris and Warren beat you. They right now are the guys. I think number two, control Pickens deep, okay? 49 catches, as you said, 15-7. Okay, he's a guy, I don't think you have to double him, but you have to stay on top of him. And then I think you have to control Johnson. I think he's the go-to guy. He will be outside or inside. So I think, you know, basically we have to have some coverage to him. Uh, They're going to try to isolate our corners. They're going to see Baker struggle the other day and they're going to go after him and Johnson is sneaky fast and he can go get it you chronicled his overall statistics they're pretty good keep those two guys under control nothing easier vertical make Trubisky work all day don't give him anything all right number three you got to defend uh Friermuth I think in those situations I talked about 
all right, he's really good, and they like him, particularly Trubisky likes him. You can just tell they like him in those third and four to sevens where you run the option routes, the stick routes, all that type of comp. He And he's also he's becoming big in the red zone. So those two situations, third and medium, and then in the red zone, you've got to have defense for Friar Muth, okay? Otherwise, you know, it's just a solid guy in Robinson and a gadget guy in Austin. Number four, okay, this is why stopping those those running backs is so important. We've got to we've got to just attack and dominate this Steeler offensive line and pass rush. This is what got away from us last week. This was our strength. This this was the thing that masked everything poor in the defense. Now understand, Trubisky is a good athlete. He can move and extend. But we have to attack that right side, uh, Daniels, uh, Jones, and in the center, Cole on the right side. They struggle. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, you can run the hoop. By that, I mean you can run up and back around him. Uh, and, you know, that would be Ebukan on their left tackle, Jones on the blind side. I think their sack numbers, which look good on paper, I think that has a lot more to do with their quarterback's Pickett and now Trubisky's ability to escape, then it really does value value protection. I think, and I think this is critical. We've, we've got to get that mojo back. I mean, that's where that, that four-game stretch, that's where we were tremendous, and we lost it last week. we got to get it back. And then number five, you just got to ruin Trubisky, okay? He's a guy that's had big numbers, but he still, he always has a high interception rate. He has the athletic tools. That's why they moved, the Bears moved up to get him and skill. But you can't, and, and you can't bank on a bad game. You have to force it. You have to rush him and confuse him with coverage, force him to turn it over, stop the run early, and make it a Trubisky game. Now close the edges because he can move and he can get out there and keep your rush discipline. All right, we have to force another Patriot game, which was really bad. And when things go bad and you force him into a bad game, you'll see it in his body language and his eyes, and they're deflating for a team. Instead of force multiplying, he force displates, deflates them. So it's so important. And all those things related, they all come together really, really important. But it starts with stopping uh, uh, Najee Harris and Warren. All right, Rick Venturi right there. This is Inside Football. That's the skinny on the Steelers' offense. Let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. And, Rick, you would agree, too. I mean, that unit has been the the more reliable of the two units Mm -hmm. for the Steelers Mm -hmm. after 14 games. Uh, Pittsburgh, they've held 10 straight opponents to 24 points or less. Their point total allowed on the season ranks seventh. Um, And their yardage numbers, it's not going to blow you away, but they do keep teams out of the end zone because they rank in the top eight in both takeaways and red zone defense. And the X factor this weekend, like we talked about, it's going to be the availability of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith off the edge. Both men are in the concussion protocol stemming from last week's game against the Patriots. Again, as we sit here and and tape this midweek here, we don't know about their availability for, for Saturday's game. But T.J. Watt, he's got 14 sacks on the season already. He ranks second in the league. His 91.5 career sack total, that's the most in Steelers franchise history already. Highsmith is another force off the edge as well. His 21.5 sacks since the start of last year, that ranks 10th in the league in that span. And it's big. I mean, if those guys can't play, there's a drop-off. I mean, at least 
no disrespect, yep. Rick, to to the veteran Marcus Golden and, and rookie Nick Herbig as their yep. replacements, but um, they are not Watt, they are not Highsmith. Golden actually was a healthy scratch against the Patriots last week. Um, their best player in the secondary is Minka Fitzpatrick. The Colts are all too familiar with him. He's got 22 total takeaways since 2019. That ranks fourth in the NFL in that span. And I'm sure you've also seen this, Rick. This also kind of stood out to, to Casey and I as we were getting ready for this game and in putting the big board together. Rick, the Steelers have been a much better second-half defensive team compared to the first half. They have been outscored as a team by 71 points in the first half, but their defense is elite in the second half. They've allowed only 91 points in the second half all season. That's an average of just seven second-half points per game, and only 44 of the the second-half points they've allowed have come in the fourth quarter. That ranks second in the National Football League. They have won four games this season when trailing at the end of the third quarter, which is the most in the NFL. So definitely a second-half team coming into this game against the Colts on Saturday, Rick. So what do you make of these Steelers on defense, maybe with and without T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith on Saturday? Well, you hit something along with that dialogue in there that I think is important, and I noted this here when I got ready for him. You know, as I said, I use the term conservative, okay? Really conservative on offense Mm -hmm. because their formula – and they know they can't score a lot of points. They're not explosive. So their real formula has been run the football, play really good defense, take care of the ball, and take it away. And if you know, if you look at those four things, they're very good at that those four things, even though they have a lot of weaknesses right. and that's why they got out statistic all in all those games, but still won them because those four things run the ball, play defense take care of it, and take it away, you know, those have been really, really good for him, just outstanding. Now, when you and as far as the second half, I think part of that is Tomlin. I think, you know, Mike has the defensive background. He's been in that system for 16 years. That Steelers system has really not changed much over the year. It's gotten a little bit more vanilla, but overall, a lot of the principles are still there. And I think they're, they can easily – it's a little bit like Iowa is in college. They can easily adjust that system, and I think that's why they make proper adjustments and end up playing better in the second half. That's just my theory. That's, that's such a good point, Rick. And in, in, in my mind, I'm nodding uh, along with you. And it's the same color scheme, too, Iowa and no, Pittsburgh. It, like They're the is. same team at two different levels right there. That's an awesome comparison. Yeah, and basically they they play this scheme. I'm not I'm not going to get into it. It would take too long because there's a strain right, that right. runs through the Steelers and and Iowa on defense. But when I say that Iowa, uh, the Steelers are what I call old school. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Mike's haven't been there, and he kept the continuity from from Cower and all those guys. And they're unique by today's standards because they have what we call an under front. Okay. They undershift the defense. You know, for for 12 Sundays, I've been saying, you know, this is over, over. Well, they play the under front. They'll play some over, but they'll only play over uh, when their nickel is in the game. And they'll play a lot of cover eight, which is quarter, quarter, half on first down and, uh, and, and so forth. And then they will, you know, they are using the bear. And I would imagine that if those two leading ladies aren't there, 
that we would see a lot of Bears so that they could blitz those guys at least off the edge and maybe bring Fitzpatrick. If they're not there, I would expect a blitz barrage, to be honest with you. Um, They will use cats and dogs by cats. That's bringing Fitzpatrick up and blitzing him. Dogs means they're bringing one of the linebackers inside. But they are a two-dog edge concept, period, with Watt and Highsmith. You know, they'll drop them some, but those guys don't look nearly as good. I, I like J, I like T.J. Watt dropping. I'll pay for that. If we can get him to drop all day, I'll be in good shape. You know, and, in, and on the unknown downs, early downs, you know, it's cover eight, it's man-to-man, it's fire zone three or six. It's all, you know, single high or cover eight. So just all that means is the strong side corner is basically undressed the whole game until you get into longer yardage. Now you get into longer yardage, you'll get a lot of match coverage, a lot more cover, too, than other teams, you know, that they play. And Cincinnati does, too. So it might be a little bit to do with that AFC North, but they play a lot of different cover twos to confuse you and even to blitz with it. Uh, then on third down, they're going to give you the overs and the even mugs. And, you know, when I always say mug, I just mean that means their linebackers, their mic and their dime are walking up either in both A gaps or in one of the B gaps. And what they do more than anything for that, one of the reasons they do that is that they want you to take your back or whoever your extra guy is and focus on that inside blitz. And if you do that, then you're isolating Highsmith and what it isn't it isn't so much where they're doing it to blitz it's almost like they're doing it to get isolation with those two guys on the edge so you got to be really careful that you don't allow that to happen just because of the look this is different than a lot of teams that you play so my my blueprint for them for our our you know basically our offenses i i think number one we have to play with balance on early downs and getting ahead of the count i think We've kind of gotten into a rhythm of run, run, pass and I, just the last couple of weeks. And I, I think it kind of hurts our running game because that's when you're running into the bear front, the eight-man front. That's when you're running into the most opposition there on the run. I do think you have to run it, though, and I think you have to run it off tackle and outside because I think you have to keep those edge guys off balance. Uh, you know, I'd pound it at what, toss it at what. You know they'll play heavy inside with bear and under under eye really, which is means that the five technique actually shades inside. Uh, but I, I if you can the other thing is if you can force them and you can't always do it, but if you can force them with three wide receivers into an over front, they don't nearly play as well on the run. Okay, that's that is really uh, you know that's an issue with them. But I think you know I usually say establish the run. I, I just think we have to be successful on first down, and I think that that means balance. I, I think you have to mix your passes and runs in that situation. Number two, you just have to have a plan for what, okay? Um, and, you know, if he's not there, like I said, we'll we'll thank the Lord and go on. You know, this is 91-and-a-half career sacks, defensive player of the year in 21. He has 14 right now. You know, he's he's got, you know, 26 strips, 44 PBUs. He is going to be on our right side. Uh, and, you know, but, but we'll occasionally they'll just walk him back in and he'll hit an A-gap blitz, but not very much, okay? 
We just can't let him ruin the game because we know that he is, you know, he is like the guy from Cleveland. I mean, they, they can ruin it. Miles they Garrett, will yeah. ruin it. Yeah. And, you know, and we it, it took us a half against Cleveland to double the guy. And once we did, he was no longer a factor. And, I mean, I think you have to go into this when you just know this is a player of the year. And, you know, we were exposed last week. Ryman was exposed on power rushes. And we know Freeland has been. So, I mean, that's something that we really got to fix that anchor up and chip and do different things so that those guys just don't get that pure one-on-one. Okay, Uh, number three, you got to handle two other guys. Um, even though you may have to direct all of it towards Watt, but there's still two guys you got to handle, you know, and that's Highsmith with 28 and a half career sacks, uh, who will be on the other side, on the right side. And if if Herbig's in there, Herbig is a kid that has terrific speed. He's undersized, but he's terrific speed, you know. And you mentioned Golden over time; he's a veteran, so they got a couple guys they can play with. But the two guys opposite Watt is Highsmith on the outside. And then Hayward on the inside. Hayward is 34 years old, but he's got seven, 79 and a half sacks, and he's got strips and all that stuff. And what they'll do when they get on those third down packages and they walk those linebackers up, not only will they try to isolate you outside, but they'll take they'll take uh, Hayward and they'll move him around. Sometimes he's in the three and they'll stun him. Sometimes he'll get down on Kelly late and get on Kelly's shoulder and rush with no help. So, I mean, they've got a really good package. But, again, it's Watt first, and then you have to individually, you gotta you got to bull your neck, and you got to handle Highsmith and Hayward. All right, number four, got to attack their corners on first down. First down is when they don't help them. They're eight-man front uh, almost all the time, or their cover eight is like an eight-man front. And I would say more than anything, the strong side corner of your formation will always be undressed. Because even if they're an eight and they have a weak roll, the strong side corner is man-to-man. And I would rather go after Porter than I would uh, Peterson. I think Porter has a lot of talent. He was a high draft pick. He's long. Uh, but he, he is not tremendously fast, and he does a lot of grabbing. So... I'm going to play action to freeze people, and I'm going to take some shots. And I don't think you can take one shot and go home. I mean, you know, we hit two big ones two weeks ago. I think we have to have that mentality. If we throw five, if we if we throw six deep balls and you hit two, that's that's 14 points right there. That's more than we got last week. So I think that – and then I think we really have to be ready for a hard man-to-man game because press coverage takes Pittman out of the game. And so we have to find ways to get con- contribute to get him free access. I'd like to get um, downs back into the game at the slot with runaway routes and over routes, running away from coverage and that type of stuff. But I think, again, we have to attack them with the pass, and there's got to be X amount of attacking them with the pass on first down. Now, number five, I just threw this in there because my experience has been with them against this defense, particularly when I was in Cleveland and we were in the division. You talk about studying a team. And one thing that I always have thought, and I, I saw it, I've seen it this year as well, give the Steelers a lot of slot formation. That is your two wide receivers together. Or if it's if you have three wide receivers in the game, you put three of them together, and that's what I call a speed trips when it's all three wide receivers together. 
You get you gain two things with this. No matter how complex their defense is, when you get in a slot or a speed slot, they will almost always show you if their corners come over, <clears throat> you got man to man. If they don't come over, then you have zone. So the first advantage you have is you've given Gardner a really good pre-snap look as to what coverage package that he's going to get. Now, the other thing that has happened to them this year is if you have a good tight end on the weak side away from that, whether it's Granson or, or, or now Mallory or any of the guys you want to use, but primarily your best receiver guys, okay, you can get matchups you want back away particularly if they want to play a lot of man-to-man. And and I've seen these tight ends really hurt them on the weak side, which I call the tax position, tight end at an X position. And I just think it's really important. I, I think our tight ends this week have to have a great day against them. That's the film study right there on the Steelers defense with Rick Venturi. We're closing it out here. On Inside Football, I'm Matt Taylor. And again, Rick, to put a bow on everything, I mean, the magnitude of this game is is so big, right? This game has so much writing on it. It's got the feel of an elimination game, to be quite honest with you, right? Given the, the crowded nature of the AFC and the dwindling time remaining in the season here. And if you look at all the analytics, right, the New York Times, the playoff predictor there, they they currently have the Colts with a 41% chance of making the playoffs. That number goes up to nearly 60% with a win, down to about 18% with a loss in this game to the Steelers. It's not a primetime game, but it is what we call a standalone window game for the Colts. And it's an ability for them, you know, to show what they can do against a team that is Uh, competing for the playoffs, right, a playoff competitor in the AFC. And it's also a chance to showcase the home crowd. It's a chance to prove that last week was only one game, kind of a blip on the radar, snapping that four-game winning streak. And the time is now, man. The time is now because of where we're at in the season, Rick. Also, the time is now to end this eight-game losing streak to the Steelers franchise that's been one of the best in the AFC for a long, long time, as you said, under head coach Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I really like the way you put that. I, I think a, I think a, the great word for this is elimination game because, let's face it, that's in essence really what it is because of the head-to-head tiebreakers that we have that we're on the negative side of several of them, yeah. okay? In the end, you know, it's do or die. It's do or die for the horseshoes. It's now, you know, the December showdown now in the land of the 7-6 playoff seating, tiebreakers, it's, it's large. All right. In a sense, this is the game of our football life, and I think you got to look at it that way and think about it. Win and live, lose and die. All right. Steelers have been tough for the Colts, but again, this is a struggling Golden Black team. This is not your father's Steelers. It's just not. All your investments in time, effort, sweat, pain—you mm-hmm. know—that go back years. That certainly go back to, you know, to April and May and June and training camp. There, you know, it's all on the line. You know, give it up, and it's all for nothing. So you hold nothing back. You attack these guys, attack these guys, but nothing but your best effort is acceptable this week. I believe this. I believe this with my heart that we are the better team, but we have to control the day, play by play, inch by inch. Both games, Frank. Both teams, frankly, are coming off of disastrous games, mm-hmm. so it's going to come down to the team with the most resilience, which we've basically had most of the time, 
and the team, and this is just the way you put it, that empties their bucket in Lewis in Lucas Oil. You know, then as you said, the nation is going to be watching this, and they want they're watching to see what the twenty three Colts are all about. Let's not disappoint them. Yeah, empty out that bucket, leave it all out there, man. It's it's definitely has the feel of that elimination type atmosphere coming up this Saturday. Rick Venturi, Inside Football. Fantastic job, as always, with the film breakdown, my friend. Get ready for Saturday. Are you are you a fan of the Saturday, the, the early weekend game, if you will, instead of playing on Sunday traditionally? You know, if if we had to go on a road, I might feel a little bit different. I'm, playing on, I'm traveling on Friday. I absolutely love this. I mean, we're <laughs> ready. I mean, it's Saturday afternoon. We got yeah. the nation watching us. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just, I'm so excited. And 4.30 to me, it's just perfect. I mean, it's, you know, I still get home for my bedtime, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just great. I'm just great. And, uh, uh, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, December's huge. I, I may, may have mentioned this to you the other day. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my grandson goes, to, he, he turns 21 tomorrow. Uh, but more importantly, uh, Miss Sherry and I will be celebrating uh, on Sunday uh, rather than Saturday, but our 56th wedding anniversary, which is on the 16th. Well but done. Well done. Miss Sherry, Miss Sherry is used to kickoffs getting the way of those. Rick, things, could, so. can you, could you imagine being married to you for 56 years? <laughs> I mean, how about some self-reflection right there? Well, you know, people always people always ask me, you know, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I always said, well, that's Red Zone Day. You know, I <laughs> yeah. never had a Thanksgiving off. And depending on Christmas, depending on what day it came on, you know. So, I mean, there were many times. I remember in New Orleans when we were we were going into playoffs, and I remember on Christmas Day. I mean, my, I remember the wives bringing dinners over for us. I mean, you know, oh, it yeah. was. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just the way of the world. You know, we just we didn't know any other way. That's the way we live but i'm great i'm glad you bring it out because those yeah. those coaches wives are saints and you would not be half the man if it were not for a miss sherry right come on oh, absolutely not <laughs> yeah absolutely right there well said get ready for saturday it's going to be fun downtown indianapolis is going to be rocking it's going to be the place to be we got college basketball going on downtown indianapolis as well opposite of the Colts and the Steelers matchup at Lucas Oil Stadium. I know we got college basketball going down at Bloomington early in the day. So, yeah, Saturday, December 16th, shaping up to be one hellacious sports day in central Indiana. Hopefully it's all capped off by a Colts win in week 15 as they try to navigate their way to a playoff berth for the first time since 2020. Rick Venturi right there on Inside Football RV. As always, as I said, appreciate the film breakdown, and we will see you a day early on Saturday up in the big booth, my friend. Can't wait. Can't wait, man. Saturday afternoon. Let's go. Let's roll. Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and that'll do it for this week's installment of Inside Football, everything you need to know about the Colts and the Steelers matchup this weekend. And for more on the ball game, keep it locked here on the Colts Audio Network. We're going to talk to you on Thursday, as always, with our traditional official Colts podcast with Bill Brooks, Casey Vallier. Those two gentlemen will join me on that. And, of course, on demand anytime on the Colts Audio Network, Inside Football, the official Colts podcast, locker room conversations, interviews, Everything you need to know about the Colts, one-stop shop here on the official Colts podcast. And we will talk to you next week here on Inside Football, breaking down Colts and Falcons coming up on Christmas Eve. But until then, have a great rest of the week. And thanks for listening to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. So long.